I mean, really, it's that this season is when you are collaboratively working toward things like growing responsibility, growing privileges, growing relational skills, this sets up not only raising your adult, but how that adult then views their relationship with you. So I think the foundation for how you parent starts in that last season, the foundation for how you do people and relationships and navigate the world happens a lot more here. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Hello, future-focused parents. Welcome to another episode of Raising Adults. Kira and Dina with you today, and we're actually in the middle of a short series on the different ages and stages of raising your adults. And so last week, we talked about the age range of zero to five and what that looks like when you're laying a foundation for being future focused in your parenting. And today we're going to talk about five to 10 year olds and next week, 10 and up. But the framework we're using is one that we've talked about before in terms of chores. And that's, I do it, we do it, you do it. So that zero to five age range that we talked about last week was really the, I do it phase. It's where parents are getting used to the vocabulary and the actions of being future focused. And they are also really feeding that to their children, helping them with, hey, it looks like you feel frustrated, for example, giving them emotional language, helping set up their day, like with sleep and eating and all of those things, helping with very beginning chores or beginning problem solving with siblings, and that it's really falling a lot to the parent in those early years to do those things. And and it comes through a lot of repetition. And we talked about how that can also feel tiring, that whole broken record phase of parenting. And so today we're moving into where you get to start to see the fruits of some of this, but there's a real collaborative piece with parents and children working together to continue this journey of raising adults. So before we dive in, Kira, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I am well. I, you know, I've said before, I've outed myself that as much as I love all the fun of summer, I I tend to kind of like this time of year where things kind of get a little, little semblance of routine again. So I'm good. And I also am enjoying this series. I like anything that is linear <laughs> and has like a system to it. So this is fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. It is nice to have my children not at home anymore. I bet. I love it's them been- so well, and it's been much longer than a summer that they were home. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's been kind of wild working without them here. It's significantly easier. I'm not going to lie. But you do kind of adjust, right, to to it. So sure. it's been it's been interesting to kind of get to go back to, oh, yeah, it used to look like this. I remember. Yeah. I remember that. Do um, you ever look back and go, how in the world did I do that yeah. with them home for so long? Yeah. Not just me. How did they do that? I mean, how yeah. did we all do that? Yeah, I I definitely definitely do. And and I feel like I'm starting to unpack what happened. And we talked about this too, like, you know, that it's just going to take a while for us all to unpack all of it. You know, and the pandemic's not over. It's still we're still in it. Um but I think because of the back to school and having a little bit of space, 
I am starting to feel some feels and like some of the stuff that I just couldn't let myself deal with during that time is coming up. And and I'm realizing we talked about this a little bit at the end of last season, but I don't think I'm the same person that I was coming into this. And um, and I'm not convinced I'm like a better version of myself. <laughs> so, like I'm I'm way more socially awkward. I burn out socially a lot faster. I have very little patience for like small talk or being talked at. Where like I'm I yeah I I'm just my fuse is super short and it's just gonna take a while to a while to unpack that. So I'm grateful for the space that I have to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a journey, man. And I'm sure for everyone, because I'm not unique. <laughs> we, I'm not the only one dealing with that. So yeah. No, no, I'm sure you are not an anomaly. And how, <laughs> how candid to say, I've changed and I'm not sure that it's been improvement. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't think it's an improvement. <laughs> oh, well... Let's talk about this age range. It's Let's a good do. one because you do you do get to at least start to see the fruit of all that hard work in that earlier season. And plus you have two people up like at the tail end of this range going into the next one, yeah, right? So just I'll be really 10. curious what you're experiencing. Yes, they just turned 10. And actually I realized I did not share the birthday chore oh, privilege. You should do that. Yeah. Um so actually I didn't give a birthday chore this year. Because they picked up so much extra responsibility during the pandemic, just naturally, that I said to them, you know what? I feel like you guys do enough around here. I really do. I feel like you're really amazing contributors to our household. And we ask a lot of you. And I don't really feel like this year I need to add anything to that. Um, and so they were super duper thrilled. And a lot of the freedom this year that we talked about, because again, it wasn't anything specific this year. But um, I am just doing a much better job, and I've expressed this to them, of, like, just letting them be outside and, you know, running around our neighborhood. And I don't have my eyeballs on them all the time in the same way. And they're enjoying that freedom. And I'm feeling like they're really responsible and capable. There's a little library, uh, you know, down the street. And I we did a practice run where I said, I'm going to let you walk to the library and back by yourselves. And here's my expectation. And we gave it a try. And I said, you need to meet my expectations for me to trust that this can become a more regular thing. And they did. And so, you know, they're, they've built that trust for me. And that's some of the freedom that they're getting this year. But yeah, it shook out differently. I was sort of surprised I had a plan. And then when it really came down to it, I was like, no, I don't think I need to ask anything more of you this year. I think that's okay. And they were thrilled, of course. I'm sure. <laughs> More freedom and less responsibility. Great. Uh, <laughs> but it felt like the right thing. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, mine are just right at the tail end of this. So we've just done all those, you know, elementary school years where that we do it phase is is really prominent. And I think, you know, for parents that are coming to future focused parenting at this stage and didn't get an opportunity to lay that groundwork um, in those early years, then you've got First, your job is to lay that groundwork, right, and to start setting the tone for things are going to change. You and I talk all the time about having those course correction conversations, right? Like, hey, we've been doing it this way, and I think it's time to start doing it this way and going slowly and implementing one thing at a time. But if you are at a point where you've laid that groundwork and now you're starting to reap the benefits, it, it really is this balancing act of, you know, usually in five to 10, this is the first time kids are now getting truly exposed to other kids and the way other kids do things. So the critical thinking skills that you're teaching at this age are enormous, helping kids really try to figure out 
good decision making, being influenced by other kids, but still trying to stick to their own family values. They're trying to figure out who they are in this phase. I mean, it is it's a hot mess of a wonderful phase. This was my favorite phase. I'm not going to lie so far. It's been great, but definitely complex because it's not always clear when it's I do it, when it's you do it and when it's we do it. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's the challenge of being in this middle ground is it's a mash of there's still areas where it's the I do it of the parent taking charge. There's areas where you can kind of piece it together as a team and a family dynamic. And then there's areas where you are already handing off. Right. So it is it's all three all together. So this phase is great because you finally get to see some of that hard work paying off, but it's also tricky because it's figuring out which things can I hand them. And sometimes we hand something maybe too big or we hand something that's reasonable, but it's a little too soon. And, you know, a lot of in this phase is the figuring out the, oh, not quite yet. Or, oh, I could have done that a while ago. <laughs> and that's that's kind of challenging too. So for parents who are in this, when you think about that, we do it, it really is the parent is still really bearing a lot of responsibility, but there's starting to be a transfer. So I think a great example that we can carry over from last week is the the problem solving piece. We said at the tail end of the last phase, even you start to get to say that sentence, I think you have the tools you need to do this. And I found that grade school is where that got to really shine a little bit more, not only with siblings, but I think even with interactions with other children, whether that be students at school, whether that even be how they were learning to interface with adults, to ask for what they needed, talking to a teacher or a coach. That is such a great life skill. And it's really in these early grade school years that we start to teach them how to assert themselves as people, even with adults and how to do that kindly so that it doesn't come off disrespectful or something like that. And I think that's an important piece that happens here is the lot of the interactions with other people, whether peers or adult child dynamics, you start to get to say, why don't you give that a try? And and the other, I guess the other challenge with We Do It is you've got to maintain that availability if they try and it doesn't go so great. They may need to come back to you and still get some help. And we've got to be ready for that and not frustrated by that because they're learning and it's our job to help teach them. And so I make mistakes as I'm learning a new skill, they're going to as well. Or they might try to ask for something from an adult and maybe it comes out not as polite as it could have and we need to help with that. Or there's a sibling squabble and they really did hit an impasse and they just need need us to be that referee again for a little bit. So it's a little bit of that back and forth, but I think that's one place we start to see it shine through is those relational interactions. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I totally agree. I I have nothing to add to that. I think you nailed it. Um, I think another area that is really important as we're being future focused in this phase is the you talked a lot and, and so beautifully about the relationships out here and how they're navigating that and how we're kind of assisting that. And I think this is also where from a future focus perspective, you're laying the groundwork of your relationship and the conversation space that you're creating. Because when they're little, 
there isn't the same level of conversation, right? They can't communicate mm-hmm. as well. It's a lot of being physically present and emotionally present, but they're not going to be able to engage in real dialogue about what's happening for them and what to do about that. And I think five to 10 is where we as the parent start to demonstrate the safe space for them to come to us so that during this age where they will, where they will come to us, I would assume, and you tell me because you have the teens, but that then in the teen years when they don't come to you as often, they, when they choose to, it's because you've created a safe space during this period of time. Does that make sense? It does. And that's exactly right. It, it's because you've set the groundwork for, oh, you know what? When I tell my parents something, their reaction isn't over the top. I'm not getting a lot of unsolicited advice. They're willing to listen and then ask, would you like feedback? I mean, you lay that here and then they go, oh, that's a safe place to go because I know they're not going to freak out Yeah. or they're going to just listen until I ask for advice. And I that it, this is where you build that. So I, I would agree. This sets the tone for that. And I think why the relational piece is so important. I know we've kind of been harping on that for a few minutes, but their interactions as they move out into the world in that 10 and up phase, how we handle this, these five years impacts that Mm -hmm. where they maybe aren't going to be afraid to go talk to somebody. I spent a lot of my years, even into young adulthood, like I would really avoid talking to people I didn't know Mm -hmm. just because I didn't really have the skills and the framework for that. And so I would just rather not. I, I will call and ask how long is, you know, open swim but I didn't want to go talk to somebody. I would even avoid phone calls sometimes if I could, if there was a way to find it out another way. I was really happy when the internet became a thing. I was like, oh, I can just look up your business hours. This is great. (laughs) Um, So I think this is where that happens. Just little things, asking a quick question, ordering for yourself, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about on the show before, can start even in toddlerhood. Just common interactions, even with customer service people, Guess what? That's also something that if you're not taught how to do it, you're going to feel awkward for years. Mm -hmm. And I'm just speaking from experience. So I think that happens here, too. But that parent child that becomes the parent teen that becomes the parent adult relationship also gets laid here. So I I think that's very true. I've seen it to be true. I have now kids into their 20s who still. And, and I, I can think of one in, one of the five in particular will still choose me over any of their other four parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a lot of step mm-hmm. parents in this situation and will choose me. And I think it's because of some of those things early on. Yeah. I mean, really, you're setting that tone for as you become your own human and you communicate that to me, how do I show up for you as a human? right? What is that long relationship going to look like? So I think for future focused parents, being aware of the importance of this time for that, that like, you know, when we talked in toddlerhood about like the main theme of last week was consistency, 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 and like gritting your teeth and going, okay, for a couple of years, I'm going to be repeating myself over and over and over again, but I'm teaching the fundamental expectations, skills, you know, what does our family look like? I think in this stage, what you're doing consistently and what you're setting the tone for in terms of being really future focused is how do we engage together 
And how do I show up for you as you, just like you were saying, as you're navigating having to do these scary things, as you're navigating relationships outside of ours, as you're navigating all this stuff, what does my role look like? And then what does it look like when you come into that conversation with me and want me to collaborate with you and and be present for that? So this is this is a very different kind of consistency that's required. You also, by the way, still need the consistency we talked about last time. <laughs> yeah, you do. So, yep. so now you have double the consistency necessary. But I think focusing on parent-child collaborative communication, open, honest communication, and that support, no, you know, figuring out where do I come alongside my kiddo and where do I challenge them to be independent, that, that is the crux of this five to ten. Yeah. And I think in addition to relationships, another area where this shows up is in responsibility, Mm -hmm. which we talk about all the time. There can be a lot more handing off. In fact, I would argue that in five to 10, you start to see a little bit of you do it with things like chores. And there's definitely things around the house they're capable of doing on their own. But I think there's also a really important piece in growing responsibility. And I would say, particularly in the household, the we do it pieces, there still has to be modeling. It's really hard for a child to want to be a team player in a house where it's clear that the parents don't pitch in in the same way. It's like they're asking, you do this chore, you do your chores while they sit and read a book. That's Mm -hmm. a lot harder to get on board with than parents who say, oh, it's Saturday morning. Let's all dig in and do our tasks. Mm -hmm. And the modeling is really important. I think that's an element of the we do it is that we're being an example, Mm -hmm. even as we start to hand off a few things. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I get asked a lot. We get emails a lot asking for like, what were the chores and privileges that you did for the birthdays? So this is a perfect opportunity for me to just share that on the show, just to give you a sense of like between five and 10, what were my kids growing in their responsibility and in their privileges? So, and I can't remember the exact one for each year, but you'll get the gist. So um, around age five, the uh, responsibility was putting their laundry away. So bearing in mind when my kids were four, they had to make their beds, tidy up every day, do an hour of quiet time and clear their dishes. So five, they started putting their laundry away. Six, they started stripping the sheets and then I would wash the sheets. Seven, they started then putting the sheets back on the bed. And then eight, they started cleaning the bathrooms, like properly, other than the toilets, because like I just didn't trust them to to touch the toilets. And then in the pandemic, they were eight, but for their ninth, they got it early. They started folding their own laundry and putting it away. So that was kind of the trajectory of chores. So if you look at that, you know, my 10-year-olds now clean the bathrooms, strip their beds, make their beds fold their laundry, put it away, clear their dishes, tidy up the house. You know, they also mop the floors and do counters and windows on the weekends. So they're pretty involved. And that was just a slow burn over time. And privileges were everything from, I've talked about on the show before, like, we just want to be able to be in charge of our own snacks. Okay. Extra later bedtimes happened a couple times. Freedom to play in the woods behind our house. Those were kinds of examples of some of the privileges. But I think, too, that the other thing that is really huge and happening in this time period um, is this is the last little vestiges of you being their main people and them wanting 
to snuggle and play. And, you know, we're coming, my kids are even coming to the end of that imaginative play period of time. And they're really getting more into their friends and their independence, which is wonderful. That's exactly what they're supposed to be doing. So I think also as a future-focused parent, really leaning in these years to that yes um, posture that you talk about, Dina, all the time. You know, will you play with me? Yes. Will you read me a story? Yes. Will you snuggle me? Yes. Because you're sa- you're going to shore all that up <laughs> for those teen years when, you know, you're like, hey, do you want to like go for dinner? And they're like, nah. <laughs> um, so I think especially having coming to the end of this and looking back and feeling like just some melancholy about how things are shifting and changing and I think I, upon reflection, hindsight being 2020, uh, wish I had even been a little more future focused about that during that time. Well, I love that. And I want to piggyback on both points. The chore one, what I love that you said and want to just highlight for the audience is that if you're a future focused parent, there is no better stage than this one to set kind of some chore or household responsibility, whatever term you use, goals. So that as you enter into early, you know, kindergarten, first grade, and you've got that five, six-year-old to say, by the time they're 10, I would like them to be able to, and then make your plan step-by-step for that. So I love the progression you described, like with the bed, the changing the sheets. That's a great one. Laundry is another one. We did that in our house too, where it started with putting it away. Then it was folding it and putting it away. And then they did the whole process. Mm-hmm. And we did it with making lunches too. So I was out by third grade, which I've talked about on the show before. And that really is a key time to be doing that kind of thing. Oh, what would I like my 10-year-old to be able to do? And then make the plan for how to get there. This is a great time for that. And so I'm really glad you said that because I think progressive goals are great. Sometimes we would even use the school year. I mean, some schools are on quarters, others are on semesters, ours are on trimesters. So when we wanted to break things into three steps, it was first trimester, this is Mm, what you do. When we go into the second trimester of the school year, I'm going to hand you this next part of the process like that. So there's lots of ways to do that. So thank you for kind of bringing that out this progression idea, because this is a great place for it is in this, this season. And then what you said about the, this is the last little bits of like you being their person. (laughs) I'll save what I want to really say more next week. But (laughs) I, I agree. This is why I had the yes posture because the thing that really became evident for me, it was in this span of five years that I held my kids for the last time, like where they were like, pick me up. (laughs) It was, it was here. Okay. And what always strikes me, moms, dads, you never know when the last time is. You don't get to know. So you don't want to wonder if the last time they asked, you said no. I'm just saying. Don't Now I'm getting wispy. Kira's crying. <laughs> so, so I just, please, you know, I know. And it is okay. Hear us say, it is okay. Sometimes you're going to have to say, oh, can you give me a little bit? I'm making dinner or I'm not available. I get that. Don't feel like you're the worst thing ever if sometimes you have to say no. But whenever you can, say yes. Because it does, it does go away. And you don't know when the last time is. So think of it that way. If this is the last time they asked, what would I want to say? Well, I'd want to say yes. I can't finish the show now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Gita has dissolved. It is really like that piece. And I think I'm just so in it because I'm right at the tail end and I feel it. I can feel how the relationship is shifting. I can feel 
And it's also, it's supposed to go this way. Like, it's this healthy and normal and wonderful, and I'm thrilled for them and so sad for me. And, you know, with twins and with onlys, all your firsts are your lasts. And that is heavy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I had said to my kids, I will, I will pick you up until you stop asking or my back breaks. Um, and I still, I mean, they're 10 and I still pick them up and it hurts so bad, <laughs> but I, it, it's exactly what you said. Like, I'm going to hold you until you mm-hmm. don't want to be held anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, so thank you for saying that. That is, um, yeah, that's the real deal right there. You know what we didn't do yet? We didn't do our what? why. <laughs> well, no, I think we should. And I think we've said it. I mean, really it's that this season is. When, when you are collaboratively working toward things like growing responsibility, growing privileges, growing relational skills, this sets up not only raising your adult, but how that adult then views their relationship with you. So I think the foundation for how you parent starts in that last season, the foundation for how you do people and relationships and navigate the world happens a lot more here. Yeah, well said. Oh boy, I felt all the feelings, Dina. I, I, I wasn't I expecting mean, to feel all the feelings today. I really didn't mean to make you cry. No, I'm so glad you said what you said because it's not bad crying, right? It's it's cathartic and very real. And I'm sure a lot of people listening who have kids of similar age to me are feeling that and noticing that and aware of that transition and yeah. So so for those of you that are on the front end of this, you know, five, six, seven, you just remember <laughs> how important this season is, really, because yeah. when you do get to the end of it, you're aware there's an ending. There's something something is forever ending and changing and morphing. And it's so cool because the relationship is morphing into something really special and unique that hasn't existed before either, which I love. Like I'm super digging some of the conversations that I'm having with my kids these days. You know, it's just like with anything with parenthood, one thing goes away and something new comes and you're mourning the loss of the thing that left and excited about the thing that's coming. So so next week we get to talk about 10 and up and those teen years, this tween, teen, young adult, you know, as they become the, the, you do it. Like, so that's the, you do it phase. Right. And they're launching into the themselves and, and Dina's going to be in charge of next week because she has lived it and I have not. So I'll be terrified and excited (laughs) to hear what she has to say next week. Just like you took a great lead today because you're in this right now and it's in my rearview mirror and a little bit harder to remember. So thank you. Anything else you wanted to add for the listeners? No, I mean, this has definitely been my favorite. I know everybody's different and some people just love those early years and kudos to you. I didn't. (laughs) I love their chubby little wrists, um, definitely, and their cute little voices. But this, this five to 10 has been stellar. I mean, absolutely stellar and so there's a lot of joy and a lot of a lot of um payoffs and a lot of like reaping the benefits and all those things this is such a joyful phase and that perfect combo of 
they do still choose you. They do still want snuggles and hugs. There's an intimacy there that isn't going to last forever, um, but also they're developing into who they're going to be. And you get that sneak peek in that front row seat, as you say so beautifully, you know, into who they're becoming. And, and so I just think this is a fantastic phase. And we have to take a moment for this is the perfect way to end me being tongue in cheek and silly. This is the phase, guys, where two things go away that are, well, in my opinion, some of the most annoying. And that is buckling car seats and wiping butt. Yay! Woo! Woo! That's so true. Done with that. That's right. I love when the kids are like, I do it myself. And they like figure out the little clasps and the thingies. And all you have to do is tighten it, make sure it's safe, give it a tug. You're not like doing all the things. Oh my gosh. Not the like, bend over. Let me. (laughs) I can wipe my own. I wasn't sad to let that go. You know what's really cool about this phase, honestly, is if you think about it, the I do it phase is so heavy on you. And the you do it phase is really an absence of you, right? And a feeling of like, I don't actually know where I fit in and how I walk that path. And there's an emptiness to that. And the we do it phase is where you're together, you're a team. And so the pressure of I do it is a little off of you, but you haven't worked yourself out of a job yet. Totally. <laughs> um, no, that's beautiful. And that's a great, exciting and fun place. That's the sweet spot right there. No, it is. This is the second trimester of parenting right here. You're done done with the morning sickness. And, you know, the beginning, <laughs> you look cute and, and you look cute, but it's before you feel like a whale and can't breathe. So, you know, it's great. This is it right here, guys. Enjoy it. Second trimester of parenting. It's good stuff. We'll be back next week to talk about 10 and up and enjoying that front row seat to your people becoming adults and how you navigate that because it's got some some interesting moving parts, but also some amazing payoff as well. So thanks for being with us. And we do hope it was helpful. And of course, in the meantime, we encourage you to follow the podcast on whatever platform you like, but also you're always welcome to listen right on our website. If you just click the podcast tab at futurefocusedparenting.com, the episodes are right there for you. So we don't want you to miss out, especially if you're enjoying this series. We want you to be making sure you get each episode as it drops. So consider doing that. And we always love to hear from you as well. So if you have a question for us, if there's maybe a topic that you'd love to hear, we can't always do all the ones we hear about, but we really do take that into consideration. And some of our favorite episodes have been things that we were asked about or were suggested to us. So if you're looking to reach us with a question or a suggestion, the email address is info at futurefocusedparenting.com. And we'll be back next week to talk about tweens, teens, and onward and upward. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in Kira's laundry room and partially in my coat closet. Editing by the incredible Allison Preisinger and music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>